Here's a fake handoff, and Donnelly's going to throw, and that one is picked off by Nelson Lacombo again. He's bringing it back. 30, 40. He's got a convoy. He's going to go. Nelson Lacombo all the way for a Husky defensive touchdown. Second week in a row, they have a pick six. And if I'm not mistaken, second week in a row for Nelson Lacombo with a pick six. Well, I'll tell you what, if people around the country didn't know about Nelson Lacombo before this game, they're certainly going to after this one. That was as impressive a performance throughout this game that I've seen from a defensive back in this league in a long time. Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. Well, thanks for checking out the podcast. Coming to you live from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio. Get to the next level. Join today at reginasports.ca. What a great facility Aubrey Stedman has down there. I encourage you, if you're in the Regina area, to check it out. Our podcast is also brought to you by Face First Medical Aesthetics in Regina. I just got my tear troughs done with Crescinda, and man, what a difference that makes. I look easily five years younger. She can make me look good. She can make you look good for sure. Mark Greshner Photography. Check out his awesome work at markgreshner.com on my Facebook posts as it relates to this podcast. A lot of times the picture I use or the pictures I use are from Mosaic Stadium and from his fabulous shots. He does great work. Paul Waldo at Royal LePage in Regina getting a real estate game with the three-time Grey Cup champ 306-502-5355 Doubles at Ag Sales in Weyburn Give Corey Zadorozniak a call 306-842-2406 For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance Check out Corey Zadorozniak Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon Tired of your shingles blowing off? Call Hammer Time Roofing Saskatoon's only certaintied five-star roofing contractor That is certified and backed by a true manufacturer's warranty Call 306-242-ROOF Brought to you by AGT Foods, one of the largest suppliers of value-added pulses, staple foods, and food ingredients in the world. Truly a great Saskatchewan success story. Speaking of Saskatchewan success stories, this guy's the only Saskatchewan-born player to win a Super Bowl, and he continues to punt for our Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Regina football legend John Ryan, and the Gear Up with John Ryan Foundation on board. And coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center Studios, it is Growing the Game with Ballsy, and we head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. Make sure you check out Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon. I'm joined by Agent Rob Fry. How are you today, my friend? I'm doing awesome. How about you, Michael? Yeah, doing real good. Hey, uh, so, Rob, first question out of the shoot. How does a guy become an agent? Why does he become an agent? Well, yeah, I mean, I would imagine... uh all different kinds of agents have their different paths to, to getting into the business and the reasons why. Um, it's, it's a very heavily colluded industry. I think in, in the U.S. there's a 1,000 certified NFL agents, so it's, it's a pretty highly competitive uh, industry. But for me personally, I, uh, I was playing basketball at the U of S there, taking a business degree and kind of wrapping that up. And I just had this uh, you know huge passion for sports. I wanted to start to figure out what I was going to do for a career and how, how could I do something that, uh, that keeps me in the game. And um, football was always sort of my favorite sport and um, had a lot of friends that, that were playing football at the U of S at the time. And so um, one of my friends that I grew up with, uh, Rory Kohler, it's a Regina boy mm-hmm. himself, he, he was getting ready to go into the draft and he said, well, man, why don't you be my agent? Like, I don't have an agent. He wasn't really a, 
a, a really highly rated player going into that draft. He, he went undrafted, actually. And, uh, and that's kind of when I jumped into things. And uh, so it's, it's kind of, you know, always important to find a way in and get your first client. And for me, it was my, my friend. And that's kind of how it's always been for me. I sort of started with that. And, and now moving uh, forward 10 years later, I find that guys that I start representing do become lifelong friends and, and feel like family to me. So that's kind of how I got my start, uh, representing a friend of mine. He ended up playing 100 games in the CFL, which was really special here in Calgary, where I live. Got to go to his 100th game, and uh, yeah. that's how it got started. But for me, I just wanted to be involved in sports and uh, and um, have an impact and be able to um, shape guys' lives, help make big decisions, and um, have a, just have, an ha- have a handprint on the sport. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Rory Kohler, the former O'Neill Titan. So, yeah, Regina kid for sure um so is yeah. that is that your favorite part of the job rob fry is it is it the relationship building and and the friendships you make for sure yeah i've always been a people person and uh friendships are so important to me in my life so having uh the ability to sort of grow something from the very start uh you know usually for the most part i'll client will usually client agent relationship will start as they're getting ready for the draft and so we're starting fresh and building towards goals and it's just it's a lot of fun to be on that journey it, it comes with it heartbreaks as well of course but they're they're worth it when you, you get to see uh, guys that you work with and build those friendships with uh, have success on the field and grow that into success off the field too it's, it's been uh, it's been a joy for me what would you say rob's the worst part of the job worst part it would would be the heart uh, the heartbreaks. I mean, it, it really is a heartbreak business. Uh, athletics are, are full of heartbreaks, and it sort of uh, scales up when you get to the professional level because there, there certainly is a little bit more on the line when you when you get to the pros. Um, so you know, all kinds of heartbreaks from uh, devastating injuries to uh, players' livelihoods being affected for for different all kinds of different reasons. And um, you know, I talked about how how competitive the industry is. There's a, a lot of heartbreak that comes with just, um, you know, lack of loyalty, um, a lot of selfishness in the business because it's so competitive. I think a lot of people um, that wear many different hats in the industry are can be short-sighted and, and very uh, selfish in how they navigate certain processes. So a lot of, a lot of heartbreak and ugly things can come with it. But, uh, yeah. you know, as I said, it, it's certainly worth it to, um, when you when you get to see guys do well and, and have an impact. So Rob, uh, you know, cl- prospective clients they they probably do their homework on you. But what do you look for in a client? Yeah, it's a good question. It's uh, I'd say it's changed over the years. I think I'm a, I've become more diligent, and uh, as you as you go, you kind of learn things that maybe you need to be a little bit more meticulous on when you're when you're looking at players. But first and foremost, like. You have to do a proper skill evaluation. You have to make sure that the player does have certain intangibles that, that you believe in your heart are going to translate to the professional game. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of really good university players out there that maybe are missing just these, these certain key components to their game that are going to really hold them back from getting to the next level. So, um, you know, just skill attributes and athletic attributes are are the first thing you have to look at, but from there, you, you have to check the boxes on, on just their core values and um, their work ethic and, and uh, are, are they good people. I, uh, if I'm going to bring on a, a client and, and dedicate myself to uh, 
working in good faith with them, you know, just want to make sure that they, they, they have their head on their shoulders and they want to do good things and they're going to put the work in on their end and, and be honest and treat the process with professionalism. So there's a lot that goes into it. Um, we'll get into the real nitty gritty of the details because yeah, yeah. that could be an entire conversation in itself. But uh, yeah, it's important to be pretty diligent just as, as players need to be when they, when they choose an agent. Now you, you mentioned that you were a basketball guy in terms of scholarship, but you always loved football, but did you have to go next level to teach yourself the game of football? And by that, I mean, you're talking about, I've seen a lot of good university players, but does it translate to the pros? So, you know, you know where I'm going with this? Like, did you have to teach yourself the game, teach mm-hmm. yourself what, what your client needed to have to get to that next level? And, and how long did it take you to figure it out? Yeah, yeah, I had to, and and, and honestly, it, it, it I needed to to be thrown into the fire a little bit. Um, when I started, I really didn't have any mentorship, so I was I was really just a lone wolf, kind of figuring it out on my own with with a a very small client base, and uh, and I, I had to make a lot of uh, sort of mistakes in judgment on what those attributes are that that are going to translate to the next level. Um, also when I, when I first got going, I would find myself, um, recruiting a player that was, you know, had this, you know, let's say it's a receiver group that we're talking about. I, I found myself recruiting certain players that maybe, you know, um, had a lot of receiving yards, um, had very long careers and, and, uh, very full careers at a school and, and, uh, you know, spoken highly of from their coaches. Um, but maybe they were, you know, if the guy runs a five flat 40, um, you know, that, that is going to prevent them from playing professional football at, at that position. And so that, that's kind of an obvious example, but when you get into the thick of it, sometimes you can lose sight of, of those things when you get excited and you start looking at stats first. So, um, that's an example of, of, of an attribute, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, no, in, in professional football at skill position, speed is so important. And I think when I, when I started, you know, I'd sort of go, yeah, 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 okay. But but look at these stats or, you know, look at this highlight reel. And, and it just took took time for me to mature and, and get a better feel for it by trial and error. And then as I got going and, and built a bigger network and uh, were able to lean a lot more on the scouting relationships that I built and, and really got to figure it out uh, uh, on a more detailed level. Yeah. Hey, do you think the forty-yard dash might go the way of the dodo bird eventually? You look at uh, like I watch hockey, and they they show mm-hmm. they got the tracking device on the players and how fast McDavid's skating or this guy's skating, <laughs> and it's not straight line skating; it's all over the ice skating. Do you think we might get to a point where the forty-yard dash isn't as important as maybe it once was? Because you just referenced a five-flat forty. Like th- maybe maybe mm. it'll maybe it'll go the way of the dodo bird. Yeah. That's an interesting question. I, I really haven't, haven't thought too much about it. I don't think so for for a while. I, I think it's going to still be something that that um, that scouts really look closely at. But you do have those conversations where you know you bring up a guy's forty. Because um, you look like you, you look you look at a guy like you look at a guy like Jason Claremont. Dude was never going to mm-hmm. blow anybody's doors off. But no. when the ball was in the air, he was getting that football. He was running under that football. He had what I like yep. to call football speed. You know what I mean? He was a football player. Yeah, I was just going to use that word. That's 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 exactly what it is. And scouts that really know what they're doing and have been doing it a long time um, have a good good you know pulse on it. They they can see football speed on film, and that is a key key attribute. That's that's another attribute. So when you have those 
guys that might be a little bit higher on their 40s, um, the good scouts will still will still see football speed and uh, and and uh, see that as a merit. And so that's why you'll still see receivers, for example, like that that run, you know, four sevens, um, still still get drafted and have very productive careers. I bet you Claremont probably was like a four seven type guy, but. Uh, but what you will, what you still do see is there's still a certain threshold that that has to be met with with that kind of a with that kind of yeah. a test. Yeah. Um, so it, it's tricky to navigate that and to, to really kind of put it all together. Yeah, for sure. Hey, uh, Rob, how difficult has it been to represent your clients during a pandemic, which happens once in a lifetime? Like you know, things like <laughs> getting them re-signed, pay cuts. Uh, how mm-hmm. much how much strategy goes into that? Because it seems to me that the guys that maybe signed early in this thing, uh, in some cases, did better. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. They were uncharted waters, and uh, there were a lot of things. We always preach: you control what you can't control. And this pandemic was something out of everybody's control, and there was a, a sort of a, a, a gap in time where. Everybody had a little bit of time to just reassess everything, but without a lot of knowledge. So when it came time, and let's you know, sticking with the CFL here in Canada, when when things opened back up and teams are ready to start re-signing players to the teams or or adding new pieces, um, that in some ways that is how it went. That the first guys to renegotiate their deals um, might have got better deals, but there was really no way to to plan for that. Um, you know, everybody was sort of looking at the reduction in, in uh, cap spending at the floor. And, you know, if you kind of ballparked a percentage, um, as GM started to work through it and uh, they started to realize that we're going to need a little bit more of a pay cut from some of our higher-end guys as they went further down. They, they, they're running out of money, uh, you know, case-by-case case thing. Right. One team maybe says, oh, we... You know, we, we went through a lot of our money just getting our old line back, and, and it cost us a lot more to do that. And then they had less money for you know, maybe skilled possessions or pass rushers. So it was kind of a case-by-case team uh, thing with teams, but uh, it was hard to predict. Yeah. And um, I think during the pandemic, there was sort of a, a sense that I was feeling to just play things a little bit safer. You know, there's a time to be aggressive, um, especially when it comes to free agency. But but this year, I, I can say for myself and my clients, we we definitely leaned a lot more towards playing things safe and, um, you know, just get through this year and allow things to get a little bit more back to normal before we get a little more aggressive with how we, we go about free agency. Rob, is that the biggest conflict you maybe have with the client? And, and second part to that question is how do you resolve a conflict like this? A scenario, mm-hmm. I come in and I'm your, I'm your client, Michael Ball, and I'm a aging wide receiver, but I look at all my stats and I'm like, I deserve to make this much money. And you're like, mm-hmm. well, yep. But what have you done for me lately? Like, like, is that really the source of your, the main source of your conflict? They think they're worth more than they are. And you have to kind of break it to them mm-hmm. that they're, that they're not. Yeah, that that would be if I had to list some of the most important things uh, in an agent-client uh, relationship. That that's got to be right up there in terms of um, just being honest and having that trust. If if the player doesn't trust me, then it's going to be really difficult to have that conversation. Um, they have to they have to trust me that I'm going to shoot them straight from the very beginning, and that I'm going to be guiding them for their best interest. It has nothing to do with my interest. It's always going to be about their best interest, but sometimes it's going to be 
not what they want to hear or maybe what they believe themselves. So um, that comes with education too. Educating the player is so important. You can't just tell somebody in this day and age uh, that this is this is how it is. You have to explain why it is what it is, and and that's something that. Uh, uh, I've realized this is very important. Hey, One so, is earning, earning that trust, and two is is backing up your your viewpoints. Is it strange to you that the CFL has plans for a global draft, but not a Canadian draft? That, as an announcer, as a Canadian, as a guy that's grown up loving this league, and I'm not against trying other things. I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I'm a huge fan of the global expansion because I think I don't know if that there's an exact plan. I'm not, if I'm seeing dollars from, from the global TV markets then I'm all for it, but I'm not in favor of adding what I like to call an extra mannequin on the sidelines. If they're not going to play. My thing is this. So as an agent, do you find it interesting that global players, there's going to be a global draft. We don't have a date set unless I miss something for a Canadian draft. No. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw that today that uh, you know, somebody mentioned that. And, it, yeah, it bothered me a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, I mean, I'm always sort of thinking about my guys, who, who, who I represent. I, I represent Canadians and Americans. I, don't, I haven't started representing global players yet, so I haven't really dove into that, uh, into that market. But, uh, I mean, I, I would think you would be taking care of your, the guys that <laughs> – are established in this league and, and, and you know that the way the rosters are going to be broken down, I would think that this, these Canadian guys would be the priority right now. It, it seems strange to me. I, I honestly still kind of sorting through my thoughts with it. Yeah. Hey, to, uh, hey, do, you, it. do you, do you think there's enough Canadian talent in Canada and, and, and by extension in the States for us to maintain the ratio and maybe even add to the Canadian ratio? Because here's one way I see we dig out of this thing. <laughs> Canada, Canada, Canada. Canadians will play for Canadian money. Canadians grew up with this. They have dreams of playing in this league. They appreciate this league. And I'm not trying to cut down Americans. I love Americans. The two mm-hmm. greatest, the two greatest rough riders are Americans, Lancaster and Reed. But that's right. I believe, and any guy I talk to says Canadian football is better than it's ever been at the grassroots level. But all I hear is like, well, yeah, we got seven for our starters, or maybe we should look at dropping the ratio. And I don't think that's a way out of uh, this mess and a, and a way out of, like, we need to grow this league, give people dreams, give them the illusion of the dream they could play in the CFL, not take it away from them. Yeah, well, 100%. I, I, I mean, look no further than the amount of Canadians that are playing in the NFL right now, more than ever, by far. Um, the Canadian talent uh, right now, I agree with you, is exceptional. And uh, there's no need to, no need at all to drop the ratio. And I agree, it, it could be increased. The, the Canadian talent is, there's a lot of depth. And it's, it's not just your classic old school thought of having old linemen mm-hmm. in the ratio. They're, they're skilled players, kickers, punters. And that's another thing with, with the global draft is, um, you know, Rob Maver wrote a good piece a couple months ago about how the global draft is going to have a significant effect on Canadian kickers and punters um, with, with the way that the global draft roster shaping out with a, with a lot of um, mm-hmm. you know, heavily talented punters and a GM's sort of rational process of putting their roster together. They're going to lean towards going kicker punter uh, from, um, from outside of North America. So Mm-hmm. I don't like what that's doing. I think that's discouraging for for Canadian punters and kickers, and and uh, those kinds of things. 
yeah, I'm I'm a little bit concerned about. Rob, do you think we'll ever have a Canadian star quarterback again? It's taken us since the 60s, since we've had mm-hmm. Russ Jackson, and I, I really think there's an American coaching bias. I don't think... Uh, I don't think uh, the Canadian quarterbacks get a fair shot. I remember the first CFL week I was here in uh, Regina. Grant that it was thrown together, but they had the combine. Mm-hmm. They didn't even have drills for the Canadian quarterbacks. Like there wasn't any mm-hmm. set Canadian quarterbacking drills. I, I just that boggles my mind. It's the most important position in North American sports, and it's like you're telling kids in Canada, "Hey, you can play quarterback all the way up to university, but then you got to be a DB." Or in Brad Sinopoli's case, you got to be a receiver. I just don't even think that Canadian quarterbacks really get a fair shake. Yeah, no, I I, I definitely agree. I mean, I represent uh, Adam Sinegra, who's been one of the most uh, prolific. Uh, passers in in, uh, in the last few so, decades. So, so, so let me stop Canada. you there. So let me stop you there and let mm-hmm. you continue in a second. I've said this a few times on this podcast and on the radio too. So Adam Sinagra is one of the best quarterbacks to come out of Western Canada. He's probably the best in the last 10 years. You could make a case for Andrew Buckley too, okay? Both Calgary mm-hmm. quarterbacks. He's a He's a French-speaking Canadian, and the Montreal Alouettes, thank God they they picked him up free agent-wise, but they never spent any draft capital bringing him in, probably because they knew they didn't have to. I get it, but Mm -hmm. whereas they draft Colton Clausen, who might be the steal of the draft, but they did it not not knowing if he's totally recovered from that horrible ankle break or leg break that he had in that playoff game. They, they, they couldn't do the eyeball test on him. That's what I mean. A Canadian quarterback mm-hmm. like Adam Sinagra doesn't even get respect to be picked in the sixth round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with your frustration there. Um, I do believe there's, there's, a, there's definitely a bias. And, I mean, there are a ton of incredible American quarterbacks down in the NCAA, and I'm, I, I, I wouldn't... Uh, I wouldn't shy away from that, and obviously supply and demand comes into this thing. But when you get special quarterbacks like O'Connor, like Sinegra, um, those guys, there should be draft capital used on guys like that. And and not only are they exceptional talents, but they're so comfortable and experienced in these Canadian CFL-type offenses. And I think there's definitely something to be said for that as well. So Mm -hmm. um, I I don't know if we're going to see a guy like like Russ Jackson – we are we're far away from that right now. Uh, BC has a, the Canadian quarterback who has a lot of promise. Mm-hmm. O'Connor's building his career, and he's going to get a, a really good opportunity in Calgary, I believe, with with Dickinson, who who has shown a willingness to to develop Canadian quarterbacks. So I guess the jury's still out. Yeah, we'll yeah. Um, so how do you get athletes ready for a draft during the pandemic? And who are you representing in the upcoming draft, whenever that might be? Yeah, I mean. Um, the most important thing in preparing for the draft is, is, is getting, getting in with a good trainer. I mean, during the pandemic, most uh, most guys will be training at their at their school, and if their school uh, programs are sort of shut down, they'll they'll have a personal trainer that they'll be they'll be working with, and it's it's kind of a, a sweet dance between preparing for the football season and also preparing for some of these tests that these guys are going to be doing. Without a combine, it's a little bit different. Um, everything's going to be done virtually this year, similar to, to how it was done last year, except it'll be a little bit more organized this year with, with more time to prepare. Um, so these guys, uh, I believe they have to submit their, their virtual sort of combine tests um, by the end of uh, April. And uh, those tests are just as important, um, you know, showing that their athletic ability in, in these different tests 
Um, but it's, it's really just making sure the guys are in a comfortable place with their trainer and understand that uh, it's important to build up, but also not build up for the testing, but also not lose sight of, of a season that's coming up. I mean, training camp is, is shortly after the draft. And I think oftentimes guys will spend too much time, you know, working on their bench press when they, they should be preparing for, for training camp, which is coming up in, yeah. in potentially two months. So it's little things like that, just, just making sure guys are looking at the big picture and not getting too caught up on things like, like I said, bench press that really aren't going to make or break at all a, a player's draft stock. Yeah. Uh, so education is, is really important. Okay. And then preparing for interviews. Um, mm-hmm. We get into late March and, and early April. Teams are going to be interviewing players, and um, it's a job interview. So, uh, like you know, like any job interview, those need to be prepared for. And, Do you run them um, through a pre a pre type of you fake one? Um, I won't even really do fake ones, but I'll, I'll more talk about it conceptually and just sort of, uh, I, I, I want to encourage each guy to be themselves and I definitely don't want them to feel this need to have any kind of script when yeah. they're, when they're in this type of interview. So I, I'm more so just give them some background on what teams are looking for. And, um, you know, sort of guide just the foundation of the interview for them. Yeah. Let them take it from there. Mm-hmm. So you've got Connor Bergloff and Nelson Lacombo, two grade A players. Talk a little bit about e- each of those guys. Lacombo, he's right up there with maybe the best package in the draft. Yeah, well, Nelson is uh, he's an exceptional athlete and uh, a very high character kid, and he works his butt off. He's he's uh, he's flown out to, to Saskatoon, and he's he's training at uh, at the U of S with their head strength guy and. Uh, Boy, it's a it's a shame he didn't get a chance to show uh, everybody down south what he, what he could do at the East West Shrine game that he was invited to because right. uh, I, I believe uh, full heartedly that uh, he has the athletic ability to to compete with those guys and and I still do believe that he's going to get an opportunity to get into a into an NFL training camp. Um, you know, we've got his film out to, to all 32 teams down south and, uh, and and soon enough we'll get his testing film out and and uh, I'm, I'm quite confident he's going to get a look down south and. If that doesn't work out immediately, I, I believe he's he's got the intangibles to to come in and compete uh, as a starting safety uh, or field corner in the CFL right off the bat. Um, and then Connor Bergloff is, uh, is definitely one of the best interior whole linemen in this draft. He's been very durable in his career. He's he's had the uh, tutelage of of his head coach being a Hall of Fame right. uh, whole lineman and, and Scott Flory. He's he's really really uh, poised to follow in the footsteps of, of Matt Lynn Riley last year and. Uh, guys like Evan Johnson, the last couple of years that have all all started to carve out long CFL careers. So I, I see Connor Berghoff playing a long time in the CFL. Two more quick questions for you. Any anyone you like dealing with more than another in terms of GMs, and and how is O'Day to deal with? Um, yeah, I won't single out anybody in particular, but, but I will say that uh, you know, for the most part, every every guy in that GM seat is. Uh, is is an honorable, honest guy that that are uh, professional and good to deal with. Everybody has their their different quirks, um, so it's nice now having having ten years into this thing, I can get a little bit better feel on how to communicate differently with different different guys and how they go about their decisions and how they go about their negotiating styles. But uh, everybody's fairly good to deal with, and and uh, O'Day is uh, he's a class act. Um, I think J.O. is awesome for Saskatchewan. I think he's doing great things with with the team and the way he's building the roster. Um, I really like how in unison he is, is with his coaching staff. I think that's really important for GMs to 
to always be very considerate of what their, their coaches want and to bring in players that are going to mesh well with their coaching staffs. And I think they've done a really good job there, uh, building that culture in Saskatchewan. Um, yeah, so I can't say enough about Jay. He's a good family man. He's very fair. And um, I have a lot of respect for him. Awesome, man. Okay, last question for you, Rob. Any tips yep. for players slash families looking for representation down the road that might be listening to this? Yeah. Well, besides you know, pick, besides picking Rob Fry all the time, what, <laughs> you know, taking the biasness out of it. But what, 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 what kind of tips would you give somebody if they're looking to get an agent? Well, first thing is um, talk to people that have agents. If, if you can, if that's a network that, that's attainable, um, talk to people who have agents and have gone through the process to get a better understanding of what is important and why have an agent. Get, get to know the industry a little bit better so you're not going in blind. Um, it's a lot like choosing a school that you go to in university. I, I always sort of compare it to that because there's a lot of components that are important when you, when you choose that. Um, you want to Find somebody that you're comfortable with and that you could see yourself um, building, a, building a relationship with, somebody that you're going to trust. Um, so on a personal level, those things are going to be very important because it's going to be somebody that are going to navigate a lot of big decisions that you go through. So you want to have that trust. You want to also find somebody that, um, if you can, that has a network because agents, a big responsibility they have is to reach out to their network to be that means of communication between the player and all the teams. So if you, you have an agent who has those relationships around the professional sports you're in, um, I, I can't say how important, I can't say enough how important that is mm-hmm. and somebody with just a, you know, a positive track record. Um, but the, I think the first, first and foremost, somebody that, that you can trust and that you're going to want to deal with on a personal level because it, it, it is personal when you're going through the uh, the journey of a professional uh, hockey player, football player, whatever it might be, it it becomes a like a, a very personal journey, and you want to share that with somebody that you you like and you want to build something with. Yeah. So, and lastly, yeah. how many how many clients you got, and do you feel like you have that network after ten years now? Yeah, after ten years, I, I certainly do. I think it's it's important to get to the point where you. You have the respect that you can um, you can get people on the phone. I, I, I remember when I started out, that was a real challenge. And if I had a lot of players um, when I was starting out, I, I wouldn't have been able to, to service them properly. Um, but now, certainly feel like I built uh, strong relationships all throughout uh, the NFL and the CFL and, and the NHL, where I can call decision makers and get them on the phone and, and get get honesty from them and be able to help guide players' careers by, by uh, being that means of communication. Um, and, uh, yeah, my client base is, is just right around 50 football players right now and, and also uh, represent coaches in hockey and football. Mm-hmm. Um, nice balance there between you know, player side and the coaching side, which has been a nice transition um, as of late. And uh, I do it full-time, so I, I feel like that's just a pretty good number for me to be able to give everybody the time and, and service that they need. Awesome, man. This has been a great chat. I, lo- I love chatting with you, yeah. man. And uh, it's good insight. Good insight. I can't wait to uh, see how, uh, when we do have a draft, how uh, Lacombo and uh, Bergloff, two of your clients, fare. Thanks for this. I appreciate it, Rob. Yeah. You bet, Michael. Thanks for having me on, man. Take care.
This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com. Ballsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of R Rams broadcasts on 620 CKRM.